Good morning and good words to you. My name is Owen Kindig, and I'm starting a podcast called Good Words. And it's going to be, hopefully, a very frequent meditation and Bible study. And it will be brief on most days. And it will be, hopefully, pithy and not given to too many flights of fancy, but just simple study of the Bible, reflection upon what it means, trying to apply it practically to everyday life, trying to look into the future as promised in the Bible, taking comfort in the promises that I see in the Bible for all mankind, not just for those who, those lucky few who are aware of God's Word and the people of God and His Son uh, at this time. But hopefully it will be a comfort to anyone from any denomination, and any Christian background. It also will be encouraging and appreciative to the Jewish people and uh, recognizing their separate and distinct part of God's plan and a part of the blessings of the world in the future, as well as a great blessing to the world now through their technology and their medicine and their uh, ecological exploits and their uh, robust uh, democracy that they have going actively in the Middle East. So it will be wide-reflecting and hopefully useful to anyone who uh, thinks the Bible might be interesting and might be of help. Uh, We'll be respectful towards those who do not agree, to those who do not believe in a God. Um, You are a very important part of the human race. Those of you who are atheists or agnostics, you you are the ones who make us all think more deeply and call attention to the sins and weaknesses of our historic Christian heritage. And for that You are very valuable, and your opinions are respected. And the skepticism that you model is important and an important way of thinking for Christians. We need to be skeptical. We need to test and prove what we think. And so I will be um, reflecting upon and talking about in this podcast. It'll be mostly a solo podcast, not many interviews, but... I will be mindful of the contributions of people from every perspective, including those who oppose Christianity or those who simply are taking a wait-and-see attitude and have seen firsthand, perhaps, the sins and dangerous exploits of the Christian larger community. So, with that said, I'd like to start with just a meditation Uh, about one passage in uh, the book of Psalms. It's probably my favorite psalm, but I have a lot of favorites, so don't hold me to it. Uh, It's Psalm number 15. It's a psalm of David. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. Who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, 
in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. In this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about five things that I see in that passage. This is going to be a fairly brief one, and I'm, uh, at the end I'm going to append a talk that I gave that I just discovered in organizing my uh, stash of old stuff. <laughs> and um, it's a uh, talk about virtue or manliness, uh, as uh, the King James uses the word. But it really is for all people. It's not a thing about macho behavior. It's a thing about what a a, a good, strong human being does, how they live. And uh, so it in that message that I gave 20 years ago, I saw five things, and I still see those same five things in this passage. And those five things are what I call the five R's of virtue, righteousness, responsibility, resolve or resoluteness, and uh, resilience, and results. Those five things, I think, are exemplified in this passage. Righteousness is right off the get-go. Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue nor does evil to his neighbor, Those are all examples of the actions and manner of life of a person who is righteous. And if the person is not righteous, then any of the other virtues or or parts of virtue, uh, such as responsibility and resolve and resilience and, uh, and the results that are gotten through consistent behavior, all of those things could be tainted or damaged severely if the person is not, at their core, righteous, as the Bible defines righteousness. So, in getting the setting of this, we have to look at the first verse, and it says, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? The, it's the same word that's translated tabernacle in the King James. And when you think of a tabernacle, you think of a first of all of a tent, and you think of it as a a special tent, one that is of divine uh, architecture and planning. It uses special materials. It uses uh, golden threads and and scarlet linen, colored linen, and and uh, blue and and purple, as well as white. And it is it's a sacred space. So it's asking, who will get to sojourn? And again, sojourning implies temporary and frequent moving. It's only a a way of living until you get to the home that you're headed toward. This is not a question about who gets to live in heaven. It's not a question about who gets to dwell in God's palace. It's a question about who gets to enjoy the benefits of being with God in this life. Who who gets who really who really uh, is welcomed into this uh, sacred space uh, with other people of like mind and uh, in the presence of and in the fellowship with uh, the invisible 
and often quite silent God uh, who is supervising or promises to supervise the lives of those whom he has called. So um, that's the question. Who, who's, who belongs in the family and the fellowship of God at this time and uh, among God's people? And it says, He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. That right there is uh, an opportunity for a whole sermon, especially in these days, the part about speaking the truth in our heart. You know, um, being able to recognize what is true is just not a gimme. It's not a, a foregone conclusion. We have, in our day, it seems like a, a concerted and I would say even perverted effort to uh, convince one another of falsehoods, things that cannot be verified, things that, that do not make sense, uh, and that do cause real damage to uh, people. And uh, I'll leave it to you to decide how this fits and applies in your life, but in my opinion, this is the, the besetting sin of the hour right now, and that is the inability to face facts and see what is true. When a person has those qualities of being a truth teller and a truth believer, a person who does the right thing and who pays attention to the wisdom literature of the world to try to understand what is right and and what should be done, that's the kind of person who is capable of walking or living blamelessly. In the third verse, it says, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor. Slander, of course, is it's the ninth of the Ten Commandments, right? Uh, bear false witness. Um, the, the, uh, some Hebrew translations say bear malicious witness. Some imply that this is in courts of law, that telling the truth in a court of law as well. So, in other words, no perjurer. Taking up uh, a false report against another, uh, with the, especially with the intent to do injury, is one of the marks of uh, a, a really bad person. And so this is saying, not nah, we can't be that way if we want to be part of the righteous and if we want to face our responsibilities as people. Uh, we have to tell the truth even when it hurts us. The uh, ESV, uh, English Standard Version Bible that I'm reading from, says that nor takes up a reproach against his friend. And so there it's talking about loyalty. It's talking about uh, being kind and, and uh, not um, fickle in one's relationships with one's friends, loyalty to one's friends. Then in verse 4, it says, In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. That's an interesting juxtaposition of two ideas. The, the response of the righteous person in this passage towards uh, a vile person is to, in their eyes, in other words, in the way they see them, the way they think of them, uh, they despise a person who is vile, a person who is villainous, who is doing bad things or hurting others. 
But it doesn't say that he says nasty stuff to the person. It doesn't say that he attempts to uh, go out as a vigilante against the person. It just says that in his eyes, that person is despised. He recognizes, ah, that's villainy. I want to avoid that in my life. But it says who honors those who fear the Lord. So now we're talking about something that's more public. Uh, You can show honor by praising. You can show honor by sending a donation. Uh, There's lots of ways that you can honor someone who is a, quote, fearer of God, a person, a God-fearing person. And if you look in the book of Leviticus and other places, you'll see that um, the, uh, the God-fearing person is one who pays his employees, uh, you know, on time and who does not oppress the poor and who remembers children and protects the widows. Those are the people who recognize that those folks who have less of this world's goods or who are in pain or suffering in some way, those folks are just as much a part of God's world as we are. And if we are God-fearing, we will recognize that in a good world, in a righteous world, everybody would have everything that they need. And we are not in that world yet. In verse, uh, at the end of verse 4, uh, it's, it also uh, introduces the notion of resoluteness, resolve. And it says, who swears to his own hurt and does not change. In other words, when we say something, we promise something, we commit to something, we carry out what we have promised, even if it turns out that it cost us more than we thought it would. And uh, then... When we look at the last verse of the section, it says, Who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. Okay, putting out one's money at interest means to uh, profit from another person's need and another person having less than we do. The, the Hebrew concept of righteousness, tzedakah, involves sharing our excess, our benefits with others for no charge. We, did, we do not pay for our privilege of being more well-off at this time and this season of life than they are. But I think that it also fits the notion of resilience because the, the seasons of life are often like the tides that I can see outside my window here. They go up and they go down, and there's a cyclical nature to all economic activity. And so resilience is the ability to prosper at high tide as well as low tide, uh, the ability to do good things over a long period of time and live well within one's means so that we can weather the storms and handle the the, the, the uh, slow times and the difficulties of life, the times when we might be sick or the times when um, we might have responsibilities that are wearing us down, breaking us down. Resilience is the ability to, to face through those experiences, and the evidence of that resilience is often seen best when we look at how we handle ourselves in our good times, 
and in our good times, we do not charge interest to those who we loan money to or give money to. We don't take advantage. We don't, we don't make them pay us for being good to them. And uh, that is the same notion as in the second half of that Hebrew couplet when it says, and does not take a bribe against the innocent. That's the same notion. A, pro- a bribe is basically a gift that someone gives you to do what they want you to do. Or the, you might say uh, it's, a, it's a gift that is designed to cloud your judgment and make you do something that you shouldn't do. And taking a bribe against the innocent is charging interest on the money you give them, so to speak. It's, it's taking uh, a payment, pros- uh, profiting from what should be just a decision to do what's best. We should make all our decisions based on the principle that's involved. We don't want to give money to someone who will misuse it or will be injured by the gift. Nor do we want to withhold money from someone that we could help who uh, would benefit from the gift. And those are principles that have to be weighed uh, soberly and uh, clear-headedly. And then it says, he who does these things will never be moved. And that is results. The results of doing all of the things that are described in the chapter are not necessarily material prosperity, but stability and a, a certain gravitas in one's life. And that's, I think, what he says when he says, thee will never be moved. How can somebody never be moved? Only if the God of the universe has made them in a, put them in a stable position. That's the only way that anybody could never be moved. Otherwise, we are like the grass. We are like the flowers that fade all the time. And the only way we can become a rock is if the maker of things makes us into a rock and makes us into a stable and uh, reliable personage. Okay, so that's the brief uh, 20-minute, I guess, um, rundown of Psalm 15. I hope that you enjoy this first installment in my uh, new podcast, Good Words. And um, I look forward to um, being able to share with you quite often. Thank you.